every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste. No city or house divided against itself will stand. Matthew 12.25 Division, deception, misinformation, mistrust. In a nation where so many in the faith are wondering how we got here, and many question if there's any way to reconcile, we bring you a space designed to ensure that truth reclaims the fringes, open, honest, and real, no filter, nothing is off limits, nothing is out of bounds. This is Two Americas, One God. episode of two america's one god podcast is designed to ensure that the truth continues to reclaim the fringes my name is jordan my name is devin and as always we're glad to have you even though this is technically the second episode we're, we're still always glad to have you i'm pretty sure that by faith that's a thing well <laughs> here's the thing <laughs> it's, it's been a uh, week yeah so we are um, we're dropping a proverbial deuce here you know, for those of y'all who are already on board with us, we appreciate it. We we're looking forward to just dropping one episode on July the 4th. We are prayerfully dropping this episode at the same time because our nation has a hot button topic that needs to be discussed. And we didn't want to wait on it. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Roe. I would have been happy to wait on it, but, you know, we felt we couldn't. Or shouldn't or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, man. So, you know, I mean, I'm just thinking about everything that happened because I feel like we just need to get into this. And, you know, I got too many thoughts, G. Like, I just I have way, way too many thoughts. I think um, we should open with the disclaimer that we think abortion is bad. <laughs> <laughs> we think. You say it that way, right? We yeah. think abortion is. Uh, the the worst option for people, you know, in in that case, you know, being faced yeah. with that sort of decision, we would wish that no one ever had to face that as the option that was left on the table. Yeah, but sometimes terrible options still have to exist. Exactly, and you know, I want to be clear because as we're having this conversation. The question that's in queue, and a lot of people ain't going to like this, you know, I've learned they're not a huge fan of nuance. You know, got a lot of got a lot of folks that came in my DMs this past week after I posted a couple of things we'll talk about in a bit. But, mm. you know, it, they they don't want to see and they don't want to beg certain questions. And really, in particular for this one, my, my question is, is it really just a fight for change versus choice? You know what I'm saying? Because really, for the last, what, at least 20 years, this has kind of been on deck, right? And every time you see or hear something, it's a matter of one of two different things. And it's a matter of changing this, what is legitimately a horrible law, but I mean, not for the reason people think, or at least in part, you know what I'm saying? Or, or choice. And to be honest with you, uh, we're going to talk about a woman's choice we could talk about everybody's choice and I don't understand why this became the issue that it did concerning that because ultimately what it did, and this is going to be my theme for the entire conversation today is it just, it throws the dignity of a one person or one group of people on the altar of a cause that really it should never be that way. That's kind of my bottom line. Like I would love to make it sound super deep and stuff, but if if you were to throw the dignity of of any other person on the altar of any other cause for any other reason like this, I mean, yeah. Anyway, yeah, whatever. We just need to go and start <laughs> unpacking stuff. Yeah, you know, you mentioned nuance. People don't like nuance. They don't like context. They don't like actually thinking about cause and effect or thinking logically through some of the comparisons and 
you know, it's a very deep and very involved conversation. And some people simply stop at, well, it's wrong. And without underpack, you know, kind of unpacking, okay, wrong according to what? I know one of the things that kind of frustrates me as a Christian is how much time Christians spend focusing on things that Christ never even spent time focusing on. <laughs> you know, the the one thing that stands out to me is that at the very moment that Christ could have kind of used his powers, and at the very moment when he didn't even want necessarily to be sacrificed, and finally said, yo, pops, take this cup. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, if at all possible, don't don't let me have to do this. It still came down to what? It came down to the the government in Pilate saying, yo, this this isn't even up. Like, this is beyond my reach. This is beyond what I should even be controlling here. So instead, I will simply ask the people. And the majority decided that Christ should be murdered, crucified, whatever you want to call it. And in return, a vicious, you know, criminal would be released. So there's two things there. One, the government kind of removed itself from a, a, a moral stance, even saying, look, I see no fault with this dude. And yet still, I'm going to let you determine the outcome. Okay. Then the wow. second thing is, here is uh, the majority of people deciding something, even if it's awful. The difference that we have playing out here is we have the government stepping in and I love how the conservatives hate big government, and yet they, they only hate it when big government doesn't help them. But this is a case where big government's going, okay, we're going to, to roll back additional freedoms, okay, and allow now smaller governments, which are endlessly more corruptible, to decide the fate of people. And they're doing it at a minority interest. <laughs> The vast majority of this country supports or is indifferent to the idea of abortion and its legalities, and Roe v. Wade specifically, and yet we have a massive minority controlling how things are going to go forward. The vast majority of this country has lost its faith in the Supreme Court. The vast majority of this country does, does not consider themselves staunch conservatives, and yet our current representation of lifetime appointees, I should add, is currently sitting 6'3". They don't even represent the people properly in any way, shape, or form. And all I would say is we always have to be careful. This is why I pushed when uh, Trump decided to do the Muslim band <laughs> and not let, people, not let people from certain countries in. We have to realize that when we want to radicalize our moralities, there are people with different moralities that if in power will radicalize theirs. Yeah, it's very, very true. And the crazy thing about this also is we are forgetting the fact that there's a pendulum swing somewhere in the makings of this. And, and we know it. they've been having this conversation for years. They were talking about what was going to happen if Roe or anything like this would have happened if Roe was going to be overturned. And, and, and don't think for a second that especially after everything that happened uh, at the end of 2020 with RBG passing, McConnell working to get Amy Coney Barrett put in there. After in 2016, Obama given his vow to not put somebody in the Supreme Court. Don't think that they're not going to attempt to pack the court. Like, seriously, to, to try and even or level the playing field. I don't understand what they were thinking when they did this. And ultimately, you know, it's funny. We haven't even unpacked the Christian understanding of, of all this yet or how that's supposed to apply. But, dog, <laughs> you got you got to know that I really don't understand. It's making me like even bypass some of my original notes and my original thoughts because what you're saying is, is, is hitting different right now. I don't understand what they thought they were thinking when they created what was initially supposed to be some type of, I don't even know if you want to call it a defense mechanism. Like what's the thinking in this? Like the strategy that they really put into play here, was it even a strategy? I think was really my question because I, <laughs> I feel like they just kind of saw the time. Well, they saw a shot. They took it. I see Republicans uh, or conservatives, whatever you want to call them, I, I see them strategize for short-term wins, mainly because if they constantly keep winning every single battle, it's almost impossible to not win the war. <laughs> like, I know that that old saying, hey, you know, 
If you lose the battle, you can still win the war. You you don't win the war if you lose every battle. <laughs> like, right. And, right. And they know that the progressive side of this nation or the, you know, the majority side of this nation or the democratic side of this nation, whatever you want to call it, they know that they simply do not fight the same way. Uh, otherwise, we wouldn't have had a filibuster for two years. And what's frustrating to me is that right. even conservatives will say, we'll go vote. Well, guess what, guys? We did. We voted for a long time. And in the last 40 years, you've had one president who won the majority of, of the voting share. So if it wasn't for the Electoral College, you wouldn't even have Republican presidents anymore. We also have massive disrepresentation among senators. Every single state, including terrible ones like Kentucky, who have two horrible senators. <laughs> hold on now. Hold on. Hold yeah. On. Okay. I get it. I get it. You're mad. Remember, we, we, we do tell certain lines here at 2A1G, but we're also mad. So I'm, 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 I'm just saying today. that's fine. <laughs> the reason why, well, you're, you're asking, was this a, a strategy? It's a strategy in, in the sense that they're not concerned that anyone's going to really put up a fight. And I keep being told by people or seeing people say, well, if you want things to change, vote. Well, the fact is, is that we have voted. And currently, Democrats have the White House, the House, and the Senate. And yet, what, three of the last four Supreme Court justices have been packed in as conservatives? That does not align with anything. And when you do vote and the majority is in control, and yet the minority is still able to control the outcome of things, I'm looking at you, McConnell, then everything you keep telling us, just vote, 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 and this, 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 that's not even true. So now we're, we're even talking about disingenuous arguments against it, is all I'm saying. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, nah, you're right. I mean, look, we did say that nothing is all topic. Okay, fine. Let's 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 recenter here. Let's focus because I'm I'm with you. Uh, I do understand, especially that frustration. Because to be honest with you, I you know I've never been a fan of of both sides tactics or antics or whatever you want to call it. But at the end of the day, there's a special amount <laughs> of low <laughs> that we've that we've witnessed some folks get to. I just really wanted to kind of take a look at the understanding. Uh, you know, from what we do from, from that Christian standpoint, let's, let's start the, to revisit here. And I mean, it's going to, it's going to mix, it's going to intermingle with, with some of the things that we're already talking about, because that's what it is. You, you recognize that as a believer, you still have other beliefs and opinions. You should just not have them at the expense of your faith. And the problem is a lot of what we're witnessing is an inversion of such. It's really telling to witness that, you know, the fact that so many people who would get up and say they love Jesus and they and they want to worship and, and they want to do this, that, and the other, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll platform that for about two seconds and then they spend the, the next 45 minutes talking about uh, just how horrible the other side is uh, or just how horrible the, you know, their ideals are, the stuff that they do. And it's their fault that our nation is in this shape. And, you know, if if there's something I'm sick and tired of, it's that. Now, that takes another level with me when you decide that that's also a reason why women should not have the rights and privileges, no, excuse me, philosophically, the will and volition to make certain decisions, whether you want to agree with them or not, whether you think that they're right or not. And whether or not you want to take other considerations into account or not, which is something that they're not trying to do. Look, when is it okay to sit up here and utilize that specifically concerning Roe? Because remember, we talked about in the first episode, bulletproofing. That's what they did. They took this whole thing. They bulletproofed the argument based off the fact that we know that any good moral to whatever extent, good natured person is not going to say, you know what, I want to see unborn babies killed. You know, there's nothing that that satisfies me more than just a, a, a dead unborn right. baby. No, nobody's doing that. It's it's stupid. So so they bulletproofed again. They bulletproofed this argument. And like, who really wants to take the life of an unborn right. baby? No one. But see, so here we go. Here's, 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 here's my question. All right. And I know it doesn't sound Christian up front, but go with me on this one. Did they really think this through? Because at the end of the day, if they were processing this properly, I think we could have saved more lives by either not necessarily keeping a middle of the road or a moderate stance. Thinking about this enough to say, hey, it's probably a good idea if we keep this national. 
which some of them probably didn't realize that keeping it national was, was a thing. You know what I'm saying? Like having this on a federal level. So Chief, was Chief Justice Roberts I was talking about how it would be a good idea if everybody agreed across the board that at 15 weeks, right. this was not a move. And so at 15 weeks, this is not a move means that across the board, every state must comply. Now, what's happening? We're celebrating, and in some instances, rightfully so. But did you think it through? We're celebrating the fact that in certain states, there will be zero abortions. But you didn't pay attention to the fact that in other states where abortion is still legal on their level, they're probably going to have substantially more. And I'm not trying to be fringe about this, but some of them are going to be much later term. And here's the thing, though. They don't want to have the conversation. There's that nuance again with the fact that those who have it at a much later term probably have some type of really serious health risk or some type of issue that's going on. You know what I'm saying? And so I don't get where their thinking lies in this because I think that some of them legitimately thought that if it was overturned, then that meant there were going to be zero abortions ever again, ever. Again, I don't, that's what I'm saying. Like there's faith and there's wisdom. And when it comes to us discerning and making decisions, the two must intersect. I saw a lot of faith. I saw very <laughs> little wisdom. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, I just, I, this is the only way I can put it, dog. So, I mean, that's my, that's my thoughts to throw out there. Uh, well, to, and to, I, to you know, I find moralizing is very, very easy when it's a moral issue that you do, yourself don't struggle with. <laughs> the, the war on drugs was really easy because, yeah, the majority of this country are not, are not drug users. Or suffer with drug addiction. So the war on drugs is super easy. Right. Right. <laughs> but when you, when you start going into things that you actually struggle with, now it becomes hard. So it's easy to attack alternate lifestyle because it's a very small percentage of people actually have that, uh, that struggle, you know, and within the church, the numbers are, are Ah, surprisingly, they're probably about the same as they are nationwide, <laughs> but we like to pretend that they're not. So, so the church is constantly doing this influencing outward as opposed to influencing inward, which is the complete opposite of what basically the entire New Testament is about. <laughs> it is all about the radical and dynamic change inward so that the quote-unquote light of the church will, will actually be a light outward. And you just, you never mm -hmm. saw Paul uh, telling churches, you know, hey, look at how bad the community around you is who doesn't come here. We need to do all we can to make sure they can't do the terrible things they're doing. That's not how that went ever. And I, I, I just find like we, we spend all this time <laughs> outward and, you know, to your, to your point, I don't think they've thought through necessarily where this head. So here's what's going to happen. Like there was a podcast I was listening to that had mentioned. There is not a question of if, but a question of when one of these states, whether it's an Alabama or Mississippi that are staunchly conservative, is going to have a case where a 14-year-old was raped by a relative or whoever, and she ended up getting an abortion that was not done through a safe means. And now, based on the laws that they have, you're now going to have a 14-year-old who is standing trial for murder because she didn't want to carry her rapist baby to term. Just let me know how you guys are going to feel about that. So we're going to shame this 14-year-old girl who didn't make the decision to end up with this situation, went with the only option she felt that she had, and we're now going to make that criminal. Let's just think about that. <laughs> it's really easy to moralize all this stuff in just this big, broad basket because we ourselves aren't necessarily dealing with it and then just kind of ignore the actual underbelly of kind of the, the ugliness of this. One of the other things I heard is like in Florida, they wanted, and, and Florida loves to use language that is so vague or general that you don't really know where things go. So now, legally, you have the ability to kind of move kind of as far one way or as far the other way as you want to because things are pretty vague and that's not how legislation should be written. But they basically have something in there that says, well, the state can kind of deem the maturity level 
of a teenager seeking an abortion and determine if they understand the weight of that decision. So essentially what they're saying is, if a 15-year-old comes in and they want an abortion, the state or the doctor, whoever it is, gets to determine if they have enough maturity to have the abortion. If they determine that this person is too immature to, dis- to understand the weight of this decision, then we get to give this immature person the reward of, here you go, raise a child. So, <laughs> so we've, de- we've determined that they're immature enough to have an abortion, but mature enough to then raise a child. In what world is that logical? In what world is that caring about life? In what world is that hoping that we're going to provide the best for this, this child? There's so many logical fallacies and straw man and you know, to your point about, yeah, apparently there's people out here who just use abortion as birth control. And if we, you know, allowed it in every state, they'd just be doing it in the, the back of an Uber on the way to the movies. That's not how, that's not at all how this goes. Like, I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. Nah, nah, absolutely. Okay. So I think we've laid the lines here. And I think that it's necessary because, you know, we take a look at this. I think the reason why this has become such an issue issue in our world is because, you know, we do have the Christians. And this is the thing I think that we've been missing the entire time is the fact that there have been folks who have different understandings of this off jump. And yet somehow none of them are what you just said, but we're acting like that's exactly what's happening. So, I mean, what about Christians who have a quote-unquote pro-choice view. Now, let me be clear on my stance. I think that you're you're where I am, though. I don't consider that pro-choice in a in a in a pro-life versus pro-choice sense. I've considered the pro-choice of a Christian more so pro-life. <laughs> we'll Can get I there. Say it we'll right. There. I don't know. We'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a pro-life versus an yes. anti-abortion stat. You know, it's it's not just the birth of the baby. So we, you know, people say it all the time. Now you hear womb to tomb. All right, that's cool. But what about those gray areas? Because in a pro-life conversation, and see, this is why I, you and I both agree that when it comes to the anti-abortion piece, it's something where, I'm sorry, I'm gonna call it out. I'm gonna call it spade a spade. I think some people just utilize that space. We'll talk about that in a second <laughs> because you can't do anything about defending the unborn and those who don't have, basically those who really don't have the the voice to make that decision on whether or not they want to live. Okay, yeah, All right. theoretical, philosophical arguments. Well, what do you do? How do you not call it pro-life? I'll just pose it that way. When the woman herself wants to live and there's an ectopic pregnancy or, you know, and, and, and let's be fair. I know, and I've seen it firsthand and I've dealt with it firsthand as a friend, as a pastor and otherwise, where, um, it is difficult no matter what decision is made, you know, saying like, if the, if the mom wants to live and justifiably yeah. so, <laughs> and the risk factors are determined where if she tries to carry that baby to term, she will die. Like it's almost a hundred percent possibility. You know what I'm saying? We are not experts, but again, I have partaken I also in this experience. To with experts who tell me that, that that is the case. So. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's very true as well. You know, um, but you know, just in case somebody says that um, we're, we're trying to, to be the experts here, I just want to make sure I've, I've, I've made that statement for them. But in all seriousness, like, how do you not deem that pro-life in a sense as well? You know, I mean, there's so many folks out here who would like to use certain, I don't know, verses out of context or whatever the case may be. Or, you know, um, actually somebody on our team was talking about that too. I don't know if you've ever seen the, the passage uh, concerning bitter water, uh, you know, where somebody has to drink bitter water. Now, of course, that one, just to appease the masses, if you get a chance, go look it up. That's one thing I'll encourage you to do. I'm not going to tell you exactly where it is in the Bible. But it, in, in context, that refers to the infidelity of the wife. Should she have really cheated, the the priest creates this bitter water. And if she drinks it and she's guilty of cheating, then her womb swells and the child miscarries. But if she didn't cheat, then the child's fine. I'll be honest with you. I think that's one of the craziest <laughs> things that I wrestle with in the Bible because I do well, that, not. That's like the Salem exactly witch trials. Like, but, you know, but, but, if, 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 she, if she floats and she's yeah, the exactly. witch, then we should burn her. And if she sinks and dies 
while drowning, then she was innocent. Like, okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. So it's it's so wild to think about stuff like that, man. But, you know, it's just uh, the, my, I think the, the bottom line of what I was trying to get at, though, is how do you not deem the sanctity of life culpable for the mother instead of right. the child? You know what I'm saying? And, you know, the real conversation to that, of course, is there's just, just has to be mm-hmm. a grace and truth deal in this. Like, yes, if the wife wants to live, the mom wants to live, then it's a face facts moment. Yeah. uh, Unfortunately, something is going to have to happen that is going to be intense emotionally, spiritually, physically for that mom where she's probably going to need help. She's going to have to go through counseling. She's going to have to go through therapy because she's going to feel horrible for making that decision. Again, this is not something where she's right. like, oh, or, I live, or even, so or even I just like, simply don't want to raise a baby. So bye bye baby. <laughs> the stakes are very different. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, and it's crazy because I do honestly still, I, I still feel some kind of way about the fact that me as a man is in up here trying mm-hmm. to have this conversation because I, because I'm not a woman. I really thought for a second, yeah, you right. know what? We should probably just, well, we should bring some folks and, and on I, the show. I think, I think we can unpack that in a sec, but to, <laughs> to your point kind of about like this, this whole life thing, right? I've had this theological thought that's come from my brain before. I don't know if I've mentioned it to you or maybe even on the show, but I, I've mentioned it a, a time or two and it's a hard thing to bring up simply because it's, it's pretty bleak. Um, but sometimes theology asks some really big, weird questions. And so it does to me, all right, let's, let's unpack, uh, what a fetus is. If, if we're determining that, uh, a fetus has a soul when it dies, is there anyone that thinks that the fetus is going to hell? Probably not. Right. (laughs) We're thinking that that fetus is going to heaven. If our, if our primary goal here on earth as humans is to bring souls into the kingdom of, of heaven. When a baby's aborted, technically we're never even gambling there. The soul will always go to heaven. In a way, that's, that's again, this short-sighted thing for our long-sighted purpose. If the baby is born, technically we are rolling the dice on whether or not that soul will go to heaven or spend eternal damnation in hell. Now, I'm not saying that that makes abortion right or wrong. I'm just saying, hey, Here's an interesting theological, philosophical question about that. The second thing I'm saying is, <laughs> if it's important that the baby be born so that it now has free will to determine whether or not it accepts Christ and goes to heaven, uh, then that means that free will is very important to you. And we can say that uh, the choice of a mother uh, and what she does with a fetus is then also uh, wrapped up in free will. And so now we're kind of being hypocritical about that too. So there's, from a philosophical, theological sense, all of this is a little bit, uh, we kind of have to unpack those bigger themes. Hey, 2A1G fam, this is Jordan. And I wanted to invite you to engage with us. And you can do so, so far by one of two ways. The first is by good old fashioned email. The number two Americas, the number one God podcast at gmail.com. The other is our 2A1G conversation space you can find on FB. Engage, ask real questions. Heck, bleed if you are frustrated. It's all good. We can take it. We just want to support you. Also, don't forget to like, subscribe, share, rate, review, all those other crazy things. Uh, But just help get the word out. Hey, thank you 2A1G family for your support and for continuing to make sure the truth reclaims the fringes. It's it's unreal, man. And you know the thing is, as you were saying that, I was just kind of thinking. I'm like, I now I feel bad. I feel like I need to apologize too, because I'll be honest with you, there are probably some mothers out there. And this is the whole thing. This is this is the nuanced part that people don't want to hear. Like it, where I can also say it's okay if there are mothers out there who really feel like they want their child to be born, even right, if it right. costs them their life. Right, right. Like that's okay as well. Exactly. And so it's that's why it's so wild to me because I'm sure somebody out there was probably thinking, oh my God, you no, just want babies. No, no. If that's what Again, you think we're up. saying. But <laughs> it's just like, 
yeah and and that, and that's that's the whole thing it's just like there I, i'm not even trying to say whether or not there's there's a right or wrong as far as the decision making of the woman because that's not up to any of us to say dog like you know the the thing is if, if anything objectively we're looking at consequences and we're also looking at how this one conversation that shouldn't be a conversation in the first place is really doing some awesome savage ravaging on, on our nation and you know my, my 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 favorite part though and this is why i posted what i posted this weekend and not to to take it to a transition point but i feel like we definitely need to go there so if we are really talking about how this shouldn't be a conversation in the first place i love when we get the opportunity to unpack why it shouldn't be a conversation in the first place so you know this past weekend on facebook um i felt some kind of way and I made a statement. I realized I goofed real hard, too, because I shared a homeboy of mine's post uh, on Twitter under my statement that I didn't mean to share. And then people <laughs> thought that I was judging people who celebrated and calling them heretics. And I was like, no, that's not what I was my bad. But yeah, so after I apologized profusely because I realized that a good Christian owns their mistakes and, and apologizes. I, yeah, I, I followed up with a post about the understanding of, of why this wasn't supposed to be a conversation. And in particular, I, I talked about one piece that really just kind of scratches the surface. So, you know, 7980, the election between Reagan and Carter, uh, which was very telling. And, and dude, when I tell you, like, people in my DMs just cussing me up one side and down the other side. Like, like a real um, Christian. Felt really, really good. <laughs> but, yep, yep, because that's what they do, right? You know, I mean, some of them were actually decent about it. We had some good conversations, but some people were just telling me I was flat out wrong. I'm like, I, I don't understand how I'm flat out wrong about history. So, yeah, the, the election between Reagan and Carter, you know, the, the underpinnings of what really happened there are actually kind of damning in a sense, especially when it comes to, um, well, good old fashioned Christian folk when it comes down to it. Because remember, during that time, uh, there was a lot of, uh, it was still dealing with segregation. Like you would think that that wasn't happening in the eighties, but here we are. Uh, and, and there were certain institutions, uh, Christian institutions, no less, um, you know, Bible colleges, whatever the case may be, uh, that desired to remain segregated. And so they were really taken aback at the fact that, uh, they were losing tax exempt status, that they were, you know, facing sanctions uh, out the waz, and that the person that was doing it, most importantly, uh, was good old Jimmy Carter. Uh, you know, good old non Dixie crap, but nonetheless, uh, Democrat Jimmy Carter, you know, teach Sunday school on Sunday morning, uh, kissing babies and, and doing all the other great stuff. So, you know, he is the typecast, he's the model of the representation of who they would want in office, but he's not upholding their cause. And so I don't know if you remember back then, the Dixiecrats, as they were known, uh, which were, you know, all the, oh, yeah. the Democrats of the South and the Bible Belt, strong, firm believers in, in Jesus Christ, my friend, my brother, uh, but not really a believer in, in unifying his people. They wanted to find a way that they could uphold their segregation and, and all the other things that they wanted. And they found a loophole in supporting the cause of one Ronald Reagan, who, of course, was a Hollywood actor divorcee. Uh, that had not had a great track record concerning all of the things that would be uh, Christianese in, in, in their jargon. Uh, so they finally come alongside him. Uh, he is game to support all of their causes, but they know that that's not something that's going to take or have huge buy-in. You know what I'm saying? Like they got to find a way for everybody to get on board with that. So how do we figure that out? What's one thing that everybody is all for or against in this in this case? Ah, got it abortion so they use the conversation of abortion as a ticket puncher to get reagan in office and nobody wants to own that or accept that that is 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 really a thing and it is i mean this is historically vetted this is how this all really really went down but see the thing about that is that's really just scratching the surface it's the tip of the iceberg i don't think folks really want to know or have a conversation about what really happened that kind of put all of all of this into play in the first place you know what i'm saying like if we take a look at the statistics in our nation and you know i'm not trying to be political this is really not a political podcast folks i swear to god but <laughs> i just understand that right now that's that's going to be a big portion of our conversation if you take a look at it especially in today's climate if you want to look at quote unquote red states and quote unquote blue states 
Blue states, even though they are the ones who most likely still allow abortions, have the fewest abortions. They also have a better quality of life per capita for all the people, mm -hmm. for all of the people in that state. And you want to turn around and take a look at red states. I'm, I'm not sorry to tell you this, but it's the exact opposite. Abortion rates are up and the quality of life is down. And it don't take no dummy or no super professor to put two and two together and configure that quality of life is a big part of why, especially from a financial standpoint, folks feel they either can or cannot have a baby. And I don't know why, or I do know why. I, I think that they know. I think that they're well aware. I also think that they don't care uh, for, for many reasons that we can talk about. The main one is mammon when it comes down to it. Um, <laughs> but, but, you know, so, so but, but if we're having this conversation, I want, I want folks to know and ask the question, how do we get here in the first place? How do we get to a point where these states that are celebrating now being anti-abortion because that's all I can really right. label most of them as. How did we get here so, so that they think that that celebration is a great thing when in actuality they're probably doing in some of the people who yeah. need the most help yeah. in their states? Yeah, and there's so many uh, measurables you can look go. at. I mean, there's there's education yeah. measurables. I mean, the worst educated states tend to correlate there too. The states with, uh, you know, the ones that fight hardest mm -hmm. against uh, unions and minimum wage and, and, you know, just basic cost of living things and healthcare and, you know, just all kinds of stuff are the, those states. And there's a high correlation to that. There's also a high correlation to basically, this is the other thing that frustrates me with the abortion topic, or basically let's call it the pro-life topic. If abortion is so disastrous in your mind, then I, I make this joke, which is a joke, but it's also kind of sad. Then why are we not dropping condoms from a helicopter on every high school in America? If, that, if that's what you're concerned about, right? Well, because also <laughs> people just simply shouldn't be having sex either. Well, okay, let's figure out which one's more probable that you're going to be able to keep, you know, people who are unmarried and underage and whatever you want to call it from having sex together. Or you're going to keep them from having abortions. Well, guess what? If you actually want to reduce abortions, then you should be providing as much of the possible options available to keep women from getting pregnant as humanly possible, because that will directly reduce the number of abortions. Guess what doesn't do it? Abstinence training. <laughs> like That does not keep people... <laughs> especially people who are non-Christians. And guess what? Christians also have their fair, fair share of, of premarital sex. That does not keep them from having sexual relations. And in case you didn't know, sexual relations is generally what leads to pregnancies most of the time. I think it's, it's upwards what? of 90-something percent of the time, I believe. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, I really I know, thought it was I all know. about and that And to that stork. point... The Damn. other weird thing that this is doing, and we've kind of seen, we've kind of seen this weird movement in our country where, when these loud voices or loud decisions uh, say certain things, it kind of stirs up an empowerment among these fringe groups. So there's a reason why literal, and I'm not saying this otherwise, literal Nazis took up their tiki torches and marched in Charlottesville. There, there's a reason why the proud boys are going to school board meetings and terrifying just regular old parents because there is this dog whistling that empowers people. And this, this decision has been a weird dog whistle among men. And I've seen it on Facebook and I've seen it on Reddit and I've seen it on Twitter and I've seen it among people who are Christians and people who aren't. Kind of this woman shaming, this... Well, now, you know, um, you know, the quote unquote sluts don't have an option to just abort the kid now because they made a bad choice. Guys, <laughs> first of all, where are we, why are we shaming women? Because again, Jordan, correct me if I'm wrong. Did Christ, when, when he met the woman at the well, did he, did he slut shame her? No, I don't he think he might, did, right? No, yeah, not that's at weird. all, actually. Yeah. And, then, and then like no, when, no, when God didn't. created, <laughs> you know, the ability to, to procreate, did he make it possible without the man being involved that one time that mm -hmm. one time mm -hmm. but other than that, that though, one yeah, time yeah, yeah the whole jesus 
Jesus, okay. please. But otherwise, other than that, though, and as no, far as we know, right. we're not out here yeah. creating another men, Jesus, men. right? Yeah. So, okay. All right, cool. So I'm just checking because no. it, it's weird to Some just like basically like place it, all the blame yeah. on women. But again, this is the weird kind of hierarchy of control and patriarchy of control. And uh, that's a whole nother added weird level. The other <laughs> one other weird thing that jumped in my head too from this other conversation or this other podcast I was listening to about some of the weird fringe things that are going to start happening. I guess there's a lot of uh, in vitro labs that are concerned about continuing their work in certain states because technically you're creating embryos that are then being potentially discarded. Well, there are plenty of of Christians and married people and, and, you know, good God-fearing people who haven't been able to get pregnant and are getting pregnant that way. Yet there's no real moral discussion around that, except when we really boil it down, if we're talking life is, it begins at conception, those things are conceived. You, you mentioned, you mentioned nuance and I, I hate to keep throwing all these weird nuancey things in here. Cause I'm not, I'm not bringing solutions. I'm just simply saying, guys, we're opening up a can of worms here that we have not thought enough about. <laughs> So that's a fun one, right? Oh man. Okay. Yeah. I was about to say, cause and, and I know, I know. Oh boy. Cause you know, I, 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 I have a couple of, of in vitro uh, nieces and nephews and I love them to death. And I think that they are amazing. And I think that they are a testament to the great things that God can do, but you're right. If somebody's going to black and white it, that's yep. going to be and, an And guess what? We've been black and whiting um, it. And this and is so, one more step to black and whiting it. So. But while we're at it, though, I want to circle back because then I started talking about the whole thing with Carter and Reagan. You know, what's funny is history is not nuanced. I mean, some of the situations they're in are, but the rest <laughs> is really kind of black and white. So if we're going to black and white some stuff, let's black and white this. We want to talk about Carter and Reagan and unpack that. That's one thing. It's crazy how much deeper that goes, you know what I'm saying, or how much further back that goes. Like for, for two seconds, I'd like to talk about eugenics. You know, and it's funny because before it wasn't about abortion necessarily, but it was about eradication and making sure that people stopped having babies. Um, and eugenics was a big piece in that. And that even started here in VA uh, for the most part, which was kind of crazy. And for those who aren't aware, eugenics was basically it, w- it was a design science to ensure that, <laughs> that black people stop procreating. That's, that's that's pretty much what it was. And so I don't even have enough time to unpack <laughs> Where's the that, nuance but in that? I wanted to, I, I, <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. yeah, you know, no, no, it's not. So I'm not going to stay there. And instead, what I want to do is move a little further forward and talk about what created the single mother space as well, which ultimately is kind of where we're at. So are you familiar uh, I've heard with of them? Yeah. Programs? That's just the people who can't pull themselves uh, and, up by the bootstraps. Yeah. Right. That's. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. So, you know what, we could even unpack that, but I don't even want to focus on that. Let's, let's get to the understanding of, of why welfare specifically concerning this conversation is such an issue. So, you know, a good deal of folks who spent parts of 2020 on, uh, you know, learning about things like gentrification and redlining. And one of the key pieces that we don't talk about still is how the single parent household came about. It seemed like a hand up back in the day. You know, welfare was supposed to be a good thing, um, but it actually ended up putting more financial strain or restraint on the family. And so I hope you see where I'm going with this. If we don't have that system in place, or at the very least, if they allowed the father in most cases to stay in home, because this is the piece, in order for somebody to, to be on welfare, it had to have been a single parent household. Even if you were married or, you know, at least loved your baby daddy, um, (laughs) they were not allowed to be in the space for you to receive the financial assistance. So we thought that the financial assistance was good. good. Long story less long, it wasn't. And so if you would have at least allowed the father to stay in the first place or in most cases uh, to stay in the home, you know, I really wonder how many of these amazing women under intense stress and circumstances would feel like something like abortion would be an option right. on their docket. But many people, you know, they don't want to take the blame for that. They, in, in our individual society, they want to say that these choices that they made, they made for themselves. And so they right. should live with the consequences. They've made choices based off of what I'm, you know, what's going on around with them. 
you know, in their environment, that my, I might add, you know what I'm saying? But, but it's just, it's, dude, it's frustrating because they didn't create the environment in which they had to make those choices. And those really responsible most certainly aren't trying to take accountability for them. And so that's kind of where I am with that. <laughs> and another thing, though, it couples up with kind of this well, no, because, uh, systemic issue that we face, too, because right around that same time, what was the other big initiative that was being pushed? The war on drugs, which also served to disproportionately hey. remove black fathers from their households as well. So you kind of have this snowballing effect. I mean, if, if you've got if you're trying to achieve something, especially something that's nefarious, you will try to do it in a bunch of these like kind of, you know, roundabout ways. You don't just force it head on. You don't, you know, you don't basically third right the whole thing. <laughs> you, you try, you try to accomplish <laughs> right, it through exactly. these little mini campaigns uh, that, that all look like they're serving the greater good, but in reality, yeah, they're, they're targeted. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the big piece in this, of course, because I, we got to tie it in, is, you know, I think about what Jesus would think about these uh, Jesus-believing government folks who made these decisions, you know, and I, I try and have some grace for them because I'm pretty sure there's some insecurity involved and we can unpack all that uh, later. We'll probably spend a lot of our episodes unpacking stuff like that. But this is the reason why this grinds my gears to Dr. much, man. They have failed miserably at the guidelines of loving your neighbor and securing the biblical sense of flourishing. So in our society, the definition of flourishing is I get to flourish based off of my sense of accomplishment and, and what I did, you know, asterisk, because you know what they did really means like someone helped them or they had some type of privilege, but, but, but they're going to take all the credit for it. And, and so they become a major influencer, uh, even if they're, uh, let's say this, a pastor, <laughs> oops, uh, or a believer in the marketplace. You know what I'm saying? But biblical flourishing does not look like that. I mean, I'd be trying to tell the you know, playboy, I'm like, it is coded in a community construct where if someone is going through or going without, we ensure that we take care of them as they are our brother or sister or vice versa. Like for real, this is this is Acts chapter two, forty two through forty seven all day, you know, or also known as the most socialist, uh, communist, leftist Bible passages out there. So whatever, but you know, it talks about how all believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and sharing in meals and prayer, and you know, a deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miracles and signs and wonders, and then all the believers met together in one place. And shared everything huh? they had. Hmm. Oops. Why is that in the Bible? I don't know. But then it talks about how they sold their property and possessions. Oh, no, don't do that. Uh, and shared money with those in need. Like, seriously, this, this seems kind of Did they build like a big, remember, like, in the Bible too. I don't know, temple or, or house or church or something that belonged to them to all pour money into? <laughs> no, oh, sure. okay. No, they didn't. <laughs> says instead they worshiped together uh, at right. the temple because it was already one each day and, and met in homes for the Lord's Supper, shared meals with great joy and responsibility. And then listen to this. This is always my fart right here. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all right. the right. people. A-L-L spells all. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So this is what I don't understand. I don't understand Remember that this right here in Acts chapter two is the birth the church. of Correct. the church, capital C. And that's what I think is most crazy because in all these movements we have today to uphold the sanctity of unborn life, what I can't believe is that many Christians aren't keeping that same energy over the fact that there's an attempt to abort the church too. Well, <laughs> I think... So I think it's more. I, you're just. I think the problem is, is that it's, uh, it's not an attempt. I think the church has been being aborted for quite some time now. Yeah, and but the good thing about it is, you know that it can't really no, because, be aborted. This is well, God's church, and it's, it also isn't based on the buildings it. or the confines or the structures of man. So yeah, e even though that's no, what it feels like, it's no, become absolutely hundred percent not. Yeah, but and the whole thing in this is that all we can say in the end is Christians who are celebrating the fact that Roe was overturned. I get it. But at the end of the day, some of you need to own up to the fact that you're just anti-abortion 
because my Bible would tell me that everything else you think about that is really not pro-life. Yep. So, <sighs> okay. That's a nice awkward place to potentially shut this yeah. down. All right. Um. Yep. I'm ready, ready, ready for the hate mail, which by the way, you know, the number one or no, the number two, oops, <laughs> I forget our own podcast name. <laughs> the number two Americas, the number one God podcast at gmail.com. So if you got thoughts or anything, please send them. We want to know what they are and we'd like to interface with you, uh, whether you agree wholeheartedly. I'm going to tell you right now, this is what I love about this episode. I listened to it and I was like, no one person no. is going to agree with everything we just well, said. They, and I'm they can also it. send stuff like <laughs> encouraging. It does, you know, people always leave bad Yelp reviews, leave a nice one too, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm looking forward to both. It's all good. You know, but that's what this is though. We're designed to make sure that this conversation space is addressing everything. Everybody's got to own up to something. Everybody's probably right about something. But at the end of the day, when it comes to matters like this, we got to call shenanigans on certain pieces and people. Yep. Guess what? There we go. Called shenanigans. it. Shenanigans. <laughs> so there's that. All right. That's cool. I know I got I got a bounce, yep. man, but this has been a good combo, bro. I, I appreciate it. I know. I, I got a little upset a little there bit. for a minute, but you know. <laughs> you bleed. You're such a. I'm a bleeding you're, heart, you're, tree you're hugging, leader. you know, leftist from California. What can I say? Yeah, but then you I still do. own guns too, though. I do. So that's How about not that? right. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, yeah, we'll unpack that later. Ain't, ain't worry about it. But folks, until then, uh, or next time, uh, please, man, thank you for listening. Don't forget, share this experience with your world. Uh, don't forget to like, subscribe on whatever platform you got. And please continue to do your part to ensure that the truth continues to reclaim the fringes because we're sick and tired Amen. of this mess, B. Amen. Done. That's all I got to say. But Hey, until next time, thank y'all once again. Please stay safe. I'm Jordan. I am Devin. And we will catch you next time to A1G Podcast. We are out. Peace. 2A1G Podcast is birthed by the Inspired One Enterprises. Executive and co-producers, Jordan Brown and Devin Chandler. Editing and engineering, Lauren Price. Graphics and creative engagement, Alyssa Wise. Intro song for 2A1G done by Dave Hummel Music. Interlude and outro music, Colin Brown. Voiceover experience for 2A1G done by none other than the original, the Reverend Dr. Clarence R. Brown Jr. Thanks, Pop. And thank you everybody else for listening again. Please find us on FB and IG at 2A1G Podcast. And don't forget to like, subscribe, and share this experience with your world. Thank you once again, and until next time, please do your part to ensure the truth continues to reclaim the fringes. Peace.